Okay, I loved all this. Man, both of your stories were vastly entertaining in different ways. Cool. Ugh. As yeah. soon as I saw the Batman one, I saw it was Michael Goldenart. I was just like, oh, jeez. Really, yeah, really. And yeah. who is it? Who is it? Who it was? Um, I think it was Denny O'Neill. Writer, and then Craig Nelson. Yes. Craig Russell. Inks, or Craig yeah, Russell, Russell, yeah. yeah. Craig Nelson. <laughs> Craig Nelson. <laughs> Coach. 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 On <laughs> Coach does inking. That's really cool. <laughs> Shit, I, was, I gotta. I, I have. I'm not recording yet. I should have. That would have been the fucking. That would have been <laughs> the intro. They don't even have theme music for Back to the Bins, do they? It just sort of starts, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it just kind of starts. I think. Paul, no. Paul will bring it in at some point. It's it's the Back to the Future uh, score. Back like to the bins. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's go. just like a, yeah. a a very quick snippet of the uh, of yeah. the score. Yeah. And they'll sort of bring it in after people have been like. So, for a couple minutes. So yeah. he, they'll go like a full half an hour. Right. Much. Right. Well, it's like Monty Python's <laughs> Flying Circus, where you know you'd be twenty minutes in, and then all of a sudden it's. <laughs> Back to the bin. Taking over for guest editors month, Tom Panneries, Bob Fisher, and Chris Honeywell. So I, I don't know, how do we do this back to the bin thing? Uh, I you, don't know. I don't know. Somebody talks about a comic, somebody says they don't have a comic, and somebody... We don't have a. I, I don't think a guest editors month we're gonna have any book bums. No, I don't think no. so. I think we all have booked this time. The, yeah. the last, <laughs> the quality the last... may be um, questionable. We actually have a DC, a Marvel, and an independent, but I don't, I, I don't know what order they they go in because the last couple of episodes I listened to theirs have been movie centered. So I... yeah, right. Okay. Wait. Yeah. The, the so last you've got a DC. Down. Who's got I've the got Marvel? last non-movie episode I listened to had Bookless Bill and Scanless Scott in it. So two of them slacking that, that uh, week. And yet they both show up anyway. Hey, that's the best part. Yeah, that is the best part. You got to show <laughs> up. I mean, half of it is showing up, you know? Yeah. Chris, I, I didn't even I didn't even think about that we actually had a Marvel, a DC, and a yeah, because you, you have the Marvel, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. Oh yeah, which you is, are doing it, which got is the, odd. You've got the independent, and I do kind of an independent, which is also an odd choice. Yeah. I'll bet you thought I was going to bring Superman. Well, that's why I didn't <laughs> pick a Superman. <laughs> I actually had a Superman comic in my hand. I was like, I was going to be on the show, so he'll probably pick a Superman comic. And last time I was on the show, I grabbed a random, um, I think it was like Bloodshot number six from Valiant, which I just mm-hmm. literally just picked out of a out. long box. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I I tend to veer toward the Titans, so I was trying not to bring a, a like a new Teen Titans issue, that something like that. Um, no, well, I was going to bring call. Batman. So I have the Batman. But you brought a Batman. <laughs> so I thought I would actually do something. I'd been thinking about if if I was going to get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic, the one I'm going to do tonight is the one I was going to get Chris to do. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was yeah. as a fifth grader. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that that's I thought would be really funny. And uh, uh, so then when you said you're going to do Batman, uh, I went ahead and decided to do the one I'm going to do. Uh, 
and it's kind of off the beaten path a little bit. I bet most people don't even know who this character is. Never I'd even heard never, of him. I had no idea. I'd never heard of of the character. I, yeah. I tangentially did because of the DC Impact Comics imprint mm-hmm. in the 90s, but it was a different, different I think yeah. that character was female. Female, they changed him her so I, to a but female I'd heard for of that. the yes. title, yeah. I, heard I think now, the, was this a was this a character that DC like bought or something? And DC for a while had the um, yeah had those to a bunch of these old Archie comic series. I think like the Legend of the Shield four or five titles: the Legend of the Shield, the Comet, the Fly, the Jaguar, the One, and then I think that was it. And it was called Impact Comics. And the imprint listed about maybe a year or two. And then I think uh, didn't renew the rights, or they let them lapse, or they just sold them off to whomever because I don't think they have the rights to those characters anymore. No, um, I'm not were they, were they really know. popular characters or something. Or Only it, one there... of them had minor popularity. The fly, yeah. the fly had some minor uh, popularity out of the group. Um, yeah. But so, do you think it was like for legal purposes to just like? Buy them up, and then you had to contractually I, use them for a while, and may, or maybe see what they did, and then like retire them, and then they're out of the picture. I, they, 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 they launched a whole right. imprint around it, though, so I don't know. Yeah. and it was it was the nineties, right? Well, they tried uh, so, again. These guys came out in the sixties, in the beginning of the sixties, when there was a lot of <clears throat> like Marvel was just starting to do their stuff, and yeah, the, so the whole superhero industry was going through a minor change in the early sixties. And uh, Archie wanted to have their own superhero line. So they developed and bought a bunch of guys. Um, And uh, really only the fly had minor success. And I think it's something like you said. Oh, oh, they also reprinted them again in the 70s. And then Mm -hmm. one more time, I think, in the 80s before they sold them off. Yeah, and uh, under the Mighty Heroes banner, I think something it was called something so. Mighty Heroes, uh, kind of an anthology or an eighty-page giant type thing, where they had single stories from each of their characters. And uh, in fact, one of the the stories in the comic that I'm doing tonight was reprinted in that. It's the only time I think any of their stories had ever been reprinted anywhere. Uh, but uh, in the 90s, when they revived the Jaguar, 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 uh, it's even hard to say. Jaguar, Jaguar. It wasn't that hard a few minutes Jaguar. ago. Jaguar. Jaguar. X-K-E. Um, <laughs> brought him back as a female. But it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting. I thought it was just a fun little interesting thing to do since it's way out of my wheelhouse. And I'm trying to think, why would I have even bought this as a 10-year-old kid? Uh, this is one of my original comics that uh, I was just going to ask that. that. That's cool. And 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 the scan is actually like your own homemade scan. Too, yeah, so yeah. I scanned beat. it for you guys, and, and you can see it's beat up and uh, whatever. But it's the original comic that I bought as a ten-year-old, and I'm trying to think why would I have pulled this off the rack? Uh, you rack, know, spinner rack. Right. And and I'm you know I don't know the big girl on the front. Rack. I don't know. You know, say, as a 10-year-old. Yeah. You know, so, okay, I'll pick up Action Comics. There's a Lois Lane. That's literally what I was thinking boom. about when I was reading this. I read the first story in this and then the the last later, one. I read the first one just to sort of, 
get me into the the carrot right. to, uh, the jaguar mode and then i read the the cover story for the for the episode and immediately i was like oh yeah this is just for 10 year old kids so i was like what would i have been what would i have thought about this as a 10 year old kid and i thought i would have been mildly aroused but not really <laughs> <laughs> And it might have been about, about something about a beautiful girl in a bathing suit wanting to make me my, her wife and mind controlling me. Right, right. That would have sent some conflicting and funny feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, so, while we're into it, why don't we just go ahead and do we the We might as well, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was we'll do say, this one first. Let's, then. Uh, go, right. let's go chronological on the, yeah. All on right. the comics. All right. All right. So we can do that because we're, we're actually talking about uh, uh, the issue that I'm bringing to the table is The Adventures of Jaguar, number five, from the Archie Adventure series. This is Archie Comics. Uh, like I said, they were trying to do a bunch of superhero stuff and jump on the superhero bandwagon. Because this came out late 1962. So I'm a 10-year-old kid and uh, pulled this off. The I don't remember actually buying this, to be honest with you, but I, it's been with me forever, so... Uh, I thought this would be fun. And it's got three stories in it. And the first story, all three stories are written by the same guy, Robert Bernstein. Uh, jokingly was going to do a joke. Oh, yeah, this was Woodward and Bernstein's attempt at <laughs> comic books because it's Robert Bernstein and um, John Goldberger, I think was his name. I forgot, the, I forgot his name and I don't have it on screen. <laughs> I'm prepared. So... Uh, but I think it was interesting because there's three stories in this in this particular issue number five. Oh, I should tell you what the Jaguar is. The Jaguar is a zoologist. His name is his secret identity, not secret, but his name is Ralph Hardy. And he's a zoologist. And one day in Peru, when he was uh, on some little zoologist trip, uh, found a belt. And uh, the belt's buckle, when he puts it on, Touching the belt's buckle and saying the word jaguar or the jaguar gives him animal powers. So he has, uh, for example, the skin thickness of a thousand rhinos. So he's got the almost the invulnerability of Superman. He's got animal powers, but a thousand times whatever their power is, the animal is. Uh, so, uh, you know, kind of modern day vixen, I guess. Not, so they can give him whatever power they really want. <coughs> whatever it needs, whatever the plot he can needs. fly, you know, yes. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's interesting. He doesn't fly under his own power. The, the, the belt he found also has these two little tiny rocket things on each side, like on his hips. Uh, okay? Uh. And there's no mechanism. And I love this. It's kind of reminded me of some of the early Justice League flight belts. And I often thought, well, there's no mechanism. It's just these two little rockets. Where did the fuel come from? How do you control it to go faster, left or right? What do you? It's all willpower. What is? It? It's just two little jets on your hips. It's weird. <laughs> I was even as a little kid, I was overthinking this stuff. But um, I, I just got the impression that they wanted to sort of make him a, a a mix of Shazam and Superman with a twist, 
with well, the animal twist. He's the Justice League. He is, and you, if a you little Aquaman in there, yes, yeah. because yeah. that's his power. Uh, not only does he have the power, thousand times whatever animal, so the skin of a rhino, thousand times the speed of this animal, he can whatever, whatever. whatever. Uh, so he he also talks and he can talk to right. animals and control them psychologically and telepathically. Okay, but only as the jaguar, not as Ralph Hardy. And interestingly, the only difference in the early issues, like these first five or six issues before he moved on in the later Silver Age when they tried to bring him back, the only difference between Ralph Hardy and the Jaguar is a mustache. He had like a Clark Gable mustache as Ralph Hardy. When he touches the belt and says, the Jaguar, the mustache disappears. His ears later issues get a little more pointy. And as he looks like Spock. So he goes from being Clark Gable to Spock. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and then the red uh, tights with the little leopard skin and the rockets on the back or on the side. But uh, those are his powers. So he's got animal-type powers. And, um, <laughs> and so in this particular issue, <clears throat> there are three stories. And the first story is... Uh, uh, where uh, he can actually fly into space. Something's wrong. They go up to check the satellites. He's flying under his own power. Well, under the rocket, little belt rocket power. So apparently he can hold his breath or whatever he needs to do. So he's flying up in space to see what happens. He gets hit by a ray and taken to another planet where he has to do, uh, it's almost Adam Strange stuff. Ooh, a ray, a beam from another planet grabs him and he has to go do that kind of stuff and save the day. So I didn't choose that story. And then the second story... Um, uh, while Ralph Hardy is out being a zoologist and he's in uh, uh, some ancient Greek, he's over in Greece and he's looking at some ancient Greek uh, ruins, he falls through a hole and the whole thing is collapsing on top of him. So he hits his belt and says, the jaguar, and uses his super animal powers to drill up through all the the earth and the dirt and the stuff so he doesn't die but oh no he flies too fast and breaks this time barrier yes when he comes out from underground he's in ancient greece and has to do all these store these things he saves a guy and sister got over there the guy says but hell i gotta go do all these and jaguar says don't worry i'll take care of it and jaguar goes and then finds out when he comes back to real time that all those 12 tasks he performed are uh, and apparently the guy he saved was actually hercules so in his history hercules oh. got credit for doing all those things that the jaguar actually did uh yeah, yeah it's very funny story so that's the second story but i didn't choose that one either no 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 we went with the cover story the future wife of jaguar because now first story ray took him to another planet second story time barrier third story the jaguar the adventures of the Jaguar and his future wife thing. This is whew, an amazing story, ladies and gentlemen. Prepare yourself. Because as everyone knows, the Jaguar is <laughs> the most handsome, gorgeous, available bachelor in the world. That's literally the opening. The Jaguar <laughs> yeah. is considered the world's most... And and for the Therefore, record, George Clooney is off the market. Done. <laughs> Done. Done. Yes. That is literally 
It, it's opening not is world. considered by most. No, the Jaguar is considered, considered the world's most attractive, attractive bachelor. bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> so every female wants him, of course. Uh, and there's a splash page of uh, similar to the cover. But basically, the story opens in with them. Uh, they're shooting a movie. And uh, the Jaguar has been um, hired, I guess. Hired? Sure. Sure. To control the gorillas. Because in the scene, the gorillas are supposed to grab this woman, the, the leading lady, and carry her kicking and screaming across the wooden bridge. And she's a little nervous, and the Jaguar says, Don't worry, sweetheart, I got it under control. After all, I am gorgeous, and I'm controlling the monkeys with my brain. So, <laughs> don't worry, sweetheart, I got it under control. So, uh, that's what happens. And the, the director, the, who apparently is also the cameraman, uh, is shooting and says, Geez, we could never do this picture. So, you know how old this is, as they call movies pictures. We could never shoot this picture if the Jaguar wasn't mentally controlling those gorillas for us. This is great. And then we go to another scene where we see a little blue-eyed minion, or a blue minion monster guy, saying, Hey, Queen, we have found your husband, your future husband. He's considered the most gorgeous man in the world. And uh, look how strong he is and how great he is. And the Queen says, Okay, well... You know, he's got to be great. He's got to be perfect. Are you sure he's good enough? And the blue minion, the blue minion guy says, yeah, sure, watch. So he uses a little thing and, and destroys the bridge, blows the, the, the foundation things of the bridge that the gorillas are carrying the actress over. And the bridge starts to fall. And Jaguar says, hey, wait, don't worry. I'll save you, which he does. He, you know, just like Superman would or any other superhero, grabs, flies down, grabs the bridge and saves the people on it and the camera guy and the director wow this is great we could never this is great stuff so they're all happy uh the queenie is really happy she says okay fine bring him to me let's get him so they pull out their weapon and they shoot the jaguar with this thing that puts a yellow sphere around him so also justice league he's apparently uh can't do anything against yellow so they put him in a yellow sphere that's going to take him to the queen and her name is queen tula of uh skankia skank planet <laughs> skank sylvania <laughs> skank sylvania of the skank planet and uh so she's gonna grab him and uh, she says also use the mental thing on him so uh you can wipe his brain clean so when we let him go he will fall in love with me and do everything i want him to do so the blue minion does exactly that and they bring jaguar to them and uh so then as he's a little woozy getting out of the little yellow sphere he goes hey who are you i am tula queen of the skanks and you are going to be my husband and do everything i say and do be my whim what? I can't, but no. And then all of a sudden, grrr, we hear some growling and some just terrible, deep, deep growls. And everybody goes, what could be making that terrible sound? And they look behind him and it's a huge, giant lion. And the lion comes out of the, the jungle area and says, hey, leave Jaguar alone or you'll have to deal with me. And they go, wait, wait a minute, the lion can talk too? Wow. So this huge, giant lion comes out and swats the blue minions away and tells the queen skank, you better leave this guy alone. 
and stay away or I'll burr. So they say, yeah, leave us alone. And they run away and they get to their spaceship. And then the giant lion says to, to Jaguar, you okay? And Jaguar says, thank you for saving me, but why would you do that? And who are you? And giant, why would you do that, giant lion? <laughs> yeah, why exactly would you come and say, I'm a, I control animals, and yet I didn't know you were here, and I didn't give you any control or power to do that. Why did you do that? And the giant lion says, you don't recognize me? And then the giant lion gets down in the position and says, see, it's I look like the Sphinx. And he goes, you are cat girl. Yes, I am the eternal and ever pop, ever immortal beauty that the Sphinx was based on. And I love you and I want to marry you. So therefore, I could not let them do it. So I'll come back and get you one day, Jaguar. So you just be ready. Oh no, if Catgirl loves me too, I'm in real big trouble. The end. Yeah, well, I could use the problems uh, Jaguar has. <laughs> really? Jesus Christ. <laughs> this has some of the best, this side of Marvel Star Wars sound effect noises ever. Ever. They're all spot. S-P-A-T. That, raka raka. Raka raka is my favorite. Yeah. My favorite is Pam, though. <laughs> yeah. The gun that says Pam. Pam. <laughs> but, like, in the floor, you see when they shoot out the little frame yellow. of the, the squat frame being. What what the hell was that that modern artist's name? Roy uh, Lichtenstein? Yeah, couldn't you see that as a yes. Lichtenstein? What yeah. on earth squat? Yeah, that, that really is a. That, that could be a piece of pop art right there. Yes. The it, art, I think, is, is pretty interesting. I think the art is pretty interesting in this comic. It's, it's not really bad at all. It's not bad. usually as bad brand superheroes are. Yeah, they're usually really off. This is kind of, you know, the proportions are done well. It's uh, got good perspective. They The body artwork is good. Uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of terrible stuff to say. It's funny. You know, it's fun to, you know, make fun of. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I if you're gonna break it down on like writing or whatever, I guess you could say it's. But I mean, as a thing, I mean, even as an adult, and if I was a ten year old kid, I enjoyed the hell of it. I would have enjoyed the hell out of it. So yeah, it's yeah. it's that dreamlike logic that little kids have, where it's like, oh, of course they're filming a movie with gorillas and <laughs> gorillas. Exactly. And of course, a giant lion would would. Uh, <laughs> would chase off the skink and like a 10 year old yeah. kid would be half like i don't know i kind of like queen from skinksylvania but yeah, yeah you, you know it's yeah. like uh it girls are gross you know so exactly. it's got a little girls are gross in it it's just so charming yeah it's almost uh lois and lana story with with mm -hmm. superman almost uh, but you know, and when I make fun of this skanky, they draw her like, you know, a pretty queen or almost I dream of genie. It's like a bathing suit, but with those see-through genie legging things. So it's, I would, I would, I would request a tour of Skanksylvania before I said no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. Yes. I would, I, I would be like, let's, let's, uh. Let, let, let's talk about this marriage, you know, right. maybe do a little dry run and see how it goes. Let, but like I would be uh, king of a planet. Right. But then again, uh, is everybody planet these weird lumpy blue people too? Is it yeah, exactly. just you and me That's and lumpy blue, people? <laughs> lumpy blue people? Right. Cause she's the only human looking from yeah. her well, planet. Yeah. Neither of them are going to cheat. They know they're going to have a mutually exclusive relationship. There'll be no temptation. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, although she keeps saying stuff like, uh, so that you will 
bow to my every whim and stuff like that. So I don't know. That, that might not be the worst thing in the world. Well, it depends on what our whims are, isn't it? Exactly. That, That's know. why we got the dry run. Exactly. Okay, see. I got you. So Wait, I want to see. I want to see where the Queen of Skanksylvania is coming from. Right. Yeah. And again, that's why you can tell that it's actually written for kids. Because like yes. you said earlier, ooh, girls have cooties or something. You know, it's still... Girls have cooties, and this is how girls launch, uh, girls launch out into yes. space going, yeah. I to, must find my husband Right, now. and to trick you into marrying him. <laughs> yeah, That's, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. whole plot. The woman is well, going to see. trick you and take you down and uh, make well, you bow to her it, whims. The Jaguar is considered the world's most attractive bachelor. <laughs> Therefore, it is inevitable... Some daring females should try to try in bold letters to tie the master of the animal kingdom to her apron string. <laughs> yeah. What happens when a gorgeous beauty from outer blah, blah, blah. But really, the queen of Scania is has apron, apron strings? strings. Doesn't she have maids with apron strings? Come on. Come on. Right. Yeah. 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 She, she, uh, it reminds <laughs> me of... Um, the character in the in the eighties and nineties comics, Maxima, who had kind of had the same relation towards Superman. She was basically at one point convinced that this Kryptonian was her mate and she was gonna force him to marry her. Uh, so I was getting that vibe. But there are a couple of shots where she's drawn, I mean, to the artist. They never credit. do it the way that actually forces them to marry him either. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> the they give her a variety of facial expressions, which works uh, much better than other art of, like you said, the sort of off-brand superhero art of the time would sometimes be like endless. Uh, there's a shot of her on the top of page five where his shoulder and she says, aren't you glad of all the men in the universe? I elected you to become my king. I, I feel like she should have a cigarette in her hands when mm-hmm. she's saying that or something. She reminds me of that. What is it? Betty Page? I'm glad that... <laughs> What was what? the, the Are... Betty Page? Is that her name? The Betty Page? Yeah, it is. The her haircut ball? is very Betty Page. Very yeah. Betty Page haircut. She's got the bangs. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And kind of that look on her face, like she's getting ready to move in on him there. Yeah, it's just like, come here. But I love that panel right after that, too, where the, you have the grrr, and you got the big lion tooth head. It almost looks prehistoric in the shadow or the... Uh, the silhouette yeah. around it with the other three blue guys getting ready to get their little butts pounded. But Well, and they've got, and, and, it's, and it's subtle, they've got her turning her head and moving her arm back and her feet, like the motion of her turning around instead of having turned around completely or something. It, right. There's, there's a lot of fluidity to the artwork right. that, that, I'm not, that, uh, it's, that makes it worth reading. I was perfectly ready at that point when the line showed up to accept that there were just monster lions in existence, <laughs> and one just showed up. Why because not, she right? goes, "It's a monster lion." I go, "Okay, that's right. It's right. Been explained." Well, me too. And then the fact that he knew her as Catgirl, and I didn't look her up, so I'm thinking, "Oh, I, well, he knows her, so I guess she's another regular character of the that's what of, I figured of the uh, series." Uh, and I'm surprised that the name was available in 1962. That's a good point. Yeah, that's true. Catgirl, yeah. I also assumed that she was, like, an enemy of his, and he was like, mm-hmm. well, Catgirl likes me. That's really bad. That's bad news, right. Yeah. Or maybe Catgirl's just an alcoholic or something. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but anyway, there you have it. Jaguar's future, future wife, 
Queen Tula, T-O-L-A. Would you say that? Yeah, but was, Tula, Tula? do you think they wrote it well that they were actually referring to her or to Catgirl? Oh, Catgirl. That's very of, clever. Yeah, it could be Cat Catgirl. Yeah. could be his future wife, too. Or see, we don't know what we, you know, he's sort of doing the girls are icky thing. It might be one of those blue lumpy guys. Might be one of the blue lumpy guys. Yeah. yeah. Could be. He went home and was writing. His... <laughs> he's writing little I letters. I was and attracted at the same time. I've mm-hmm. never understood anything like this. I don't get it. The, the way that <laughs> blue. feel weird, daddy. The way that, that <laughs> beep that went Pam. Show me on the me. I don't know. Show me on the blue doll where he touched you. <laughs> the blue doll with the they all have pur- matching purple tights. Too. Yes, they do. <laughs> and why wouldn't they? Yeah, why wouldn't they? <laughs> they have like space Tommy guns too. Right. So I uh, love that. Yeah. Ready to go out now and get the complete eight issue series of the Jaguar? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> are these um have these slipped into the public domain at all? Would they on? Um, I always blank on the whole internet. I got no. I don't have an internet. Explorer. Like the internet um, archive or something yeah, like that. Yeah, how they call it. Um, the it starts with a P. The there's something a ar- the something archived. Well, there's a there's a site called Comic Book Plus that oh. has a crap ton of of, of public domain comics. Hmm. Um, a few that I've gotten from, uh, <laughs> I've got some, found some really anti-commie political <laughs> 1950s Cold War era ones that are just hilarious. That sounds but, uh, awesome. Yeah, but, uh, hmm. but yeah, it's, it's comicbookplus. It's, it's free. There's no, you know, you can, and, and they have them, um, I think if you, if you get a ship, you know, if you get a free, if you sign up for free login and stuff. Um, I think you can download them either as PDFs or uh, or CBRs. Yeah, um, I, I was just wondering. I'm, I'm not going to search for it right now, but uh, mm. I was wondering if that was a if that was a public domain thing where you could actually go out and find somebody scanned and uploaded it to a to that site or something. I was going to say if it is know. public, if you find out it is the public domain and does it, and they don't have it, yeah, put it up put on it that up site. There. I could put like the pirates do and put a little page at the end. Go hi, thanks a lot, <laughs> hello. <laughs> like a like a picture of you taken from a webcam with a hastily like MS Paint drawn like <laughs> pirate patch over your eye. Yeah, yeah, a really not just slightly off a little bit. So you can almost see the eye beside it. <laughs> Welcome and, to Pirate Bob's Picks. Right. right. <laughs> Jaguar number five. Because of the hot babe on the cover. I honestly, <laughs> I just love shit like this. I, 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 I would read eight issues of Jaguar if they were all like this. Oh, good. Because it's surreal. It's 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 pure imagination, you know? And then, Absolutely. Yeah, and, I mean, that lion, his, like... I'm looking at it now. The hair on that gi- the mane on the giant lion looks like a sort like Engelbert Humperdinck's hairstyle, <laughs> sort of. You know, yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> well, I, I love, love the way the lion too is also swatting when he's just kind of swatting the the little and the way that it's drawn. They have the lion looking normal size with the blue people looking like little tiny things as he's swatting them away. Yeah. I just, love, I just love the art. I just think it's a fun... It just tells the story and their facial yeah. expressions. and It just goes for it, yeah. Yeah. 
you know, and that's not a lot of book to tell. Like, it's not a lot of area to tell a story in because it's not a very long <clears throat> story. So it's six pages. They, <laughs> yeah, they have to do. They have to do what they have to do within those six pages, and I think they do it pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, with in terms of you know, I mean, you're not you're not expecting some serious death. It's a six page story, but even really entertaining, and it doesn't feel as disposable as a lot of other stories from that era would tend to feel yeah i i i tend to think world building <laughs> see this uh, but now i'm putting it now i'm putting it in the 90s if like um mm-hmm. what, what what's his name alan moore got a hold of this and was just oh, like killed oh, everybody off the complex relationship between cat girl and and uh and you know Queen you know Tula. we have a flashback to ancient egypt and yeah uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Alan Moore just bring everybody in. Oh yeah, you may, you did it with Jaguar. Okay, I'm gonna kill you now. You need yeah, to die. Yeah, exactly. Some, <laughs> you need to somebody's die. Somebody's gonna get die. Somebody gets raped, and yeah. somebody you know. Yeah. <laughs> let's deconstruct another. Somebody one. gets raped. Let me hope it's a giant, a monster lion. <laughs> 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 I wonder if there's any gender in the blue people. It's hard. To, the, this is something we get into in J guys and Jedi a lot, because I mean, a they're going topless, but they could just be wanton. Right. Like, that could be. I mean, if I'm guessing they might be male because uh, the queen isn't going topless, but right. we don't know what the right. queen's traditions are. And like basically, whenever we do J guys and Jedi, and we make any kind of like. I wonder, and it's like, we don't even know if these characters poop or not. <laughs> right. We've never seen a guy in purple shorts before. No. They could be male, female. Their shorts are pretty tight. They look like they don't look like they're male, at least by human standards. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. again, they might deposit, they might have an ovipositor there where they deposit jelly-like eggs band of their home world every year, you know? And then... You know they, they 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 hatch, or you know then the, then the females come along, and it, it, who knows what who knows? what what's who knows what the deal is. The purple pants could be hiding a lot of stuff. We just all don't I know, know is Jaguar's intrigue. Jaguar wants to find out how the yeah. <laughs> how they actually reproduce. They all look, <laughs> and I don't want to sound like a racist, but they all look alike to me too. They do. They, they really every do. One of them. Yeah. And they, uh, oh, it is man. interesting that they didn't show any other beings from her planet. So she's the they only human clone. one. Yeah. And, they could know. be robots for all we know. Mm. Why you would make robots look like swarthy, bald? They they look like they look like someone took a the they sort of their heads are sort of like red ball but blue, <laughs> yeah. and then they've got the body of like a sixty year old like mediterranean guy maybe you know that sort of short swarthy look to him and then they've got a ken doll crotch and little skinny legs they're they're, they're odd looking not what i not how i would design a robot if if i was in skanksylvania or anywhere for that matter here's here's one thing though why didn't he um get the gorillas to help (laughs) he's got these two gorillas because I, I gorillas in the story. I was going to say it's a comic from the you know from there. You got to have a gorilla somewhere, but um, I believe there's a. But yeah, I was like, it's I was just kind of like, a gorilla in the room. Yeah, <gasps> and that was sort of a representation of invasion of the body snatchers. 
Oh, and by the way, it's John F. Rosenberger is the artist. So I uh, needed to give him credit. The writer. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to it, give him it, credit. It, John F. Rosenberger. So it's Bernstein and Rosenberger. It, it does not look hastily. A lot of the no. off-brand ones that, that, that were like, all right, we're just writing a goofy little story. Let's just let's get this out fast. There was, you know, there, there's some it's not innovatively designed or anything like or laid out or anything like that. But it's it's nicely rendered. Yeah, yeah. I think it's nice. It's a typical six, nine page, six to nine uh-huh. page, you know, panel per page or panels per page. But uh, I agree. I don't think this is a throwaway. And I think the entire book uh even in the two front stories that were much longer, one was a 12-page story, the other was a 10-page story. Um, I don't think they, they threw away the They were similarly well-drawn yeah. and bizarre, too. Yeah. Right. And What's the fact, that odd smell? It must be another dimension. Exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. stuff like that. Well, also, um, the character and all of the issues uh, were written and drawn by the same two guys. So they did it all. Every story okay. in all uh, 15 and maybe issues before it moved over and did that, as part of an anthology. Now, don't you picture these guys as sort of the comic equivalent of like, I mean, all like artist writer teams of, of this time period and before. Don't you picture them sort of like Rogers and Hammerstein or something like the like. All right, we got to come up with a story and like chain smoking. And oh, just absolutely, like, absolutely. All right, it's the it's a monster lion. <laughs> absolutely, I see these guys getting up early in the morning, putting their coat and tie, their suit on, going to an office. Yep. The two of them sitting there talking about it, going out for lunch, having a couple of drinks, coming having back a few drinks, yeah, having back <laughs> shit faced afternoon, writing stories and drawing stories about. Women wanting your superhero with giant lion heads. Yeah, what? I mean, who's really so we this? Have, so we have Scotch shit, to think for this. We have Scotch <laughs> and a few. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure the pay was shit, but man, what a life! <laughs> yeah. Well, it's very I, you know, interesting, and, and it makes me wonder: did they love it, hate it, were they like? I mean, these guys. I mean, they're writing for ten-year-old kids. But yeah. it doesn't have – sometimes you could almost sense the anger and just sort of like, bah, <laughs> you know, right. let's, get this do- let's get this done. Let's get something happening and then let's get it drawn and get it out of here. And, yeah. it, and I don't get that from this at all. It, it, it seems like they were actually trying to be – try, you know, they, 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 not something in there for adults, but part of their uh, uh, adultness and – uh, like artisticness and imagination came out in it. They were definitely putting themselves in it a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think they were trying to do the best they can. And the fact that these are the two creators of this character, you know, uh, so I, I didn't, I don't think that they, you know, were just throwing it out there because, Oh, we have to meet a deadline. They were right. rushing because they had to meet a deadline, but they wanted to still, I think, do the best they could. And uh-huh. I, uh, I'm going to actually look for some other issues. I've seen one other quick story, and Tom mentioned the DC version, but mm-hmm. that was totally different. That was a very, a, very different, totally different character. All they did was, I think, yeah. use the name maybe to try to keep yes. the name. Uh, but there were uh, 15 issues of the Adventures of the Jaguar. That's uh, funny. Under the the reboot series. went longer than the original. Yes. Yes. 
And uh, I think that would be a fun. I mean, if, if there are collectors who want to do a real fun hunt, try finding yeah. all 15 issues of the uh, Adventures of the Jaguar. That yeah. would be a fun hunt. Well, depends on your definition. Or all 23 <laughs> of both of them. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I imagine get I imagine getting all the yeah all the issues of the original Jaguar might be kind of a pain. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't even really looked them up, so I don't even know how expensive if they exist. Yeah. How expensive they would be. Right. Um, but uh, I'm glad I bought this one in that uh, around Christmas time of 1962 because uh, I enjoy it and I I enjoyed it then and I had a fun reading it this week. I thought this was a lot of fun. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Do, are we supposed to rate it? Is that was part of this? Do they is do, that part uh, of it? Do, we do they give do it ratings? A yeah, no, a letter grade. A letter grading. They do a letter grade. ABC like that. Yeah, ABCDF. Yeah. In the yeah. different categories or just overall? I think they go cover, story, art, and they kind of average it out to the overall. Oh, okay. Uh, should I go first since I brought the book? Is that how? Go it ahead. Works? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to give it A's all the way down the line because of the good feeling. So I, I think the cover, even though it's it's not dramatic or anything, got me as a ten year old to pull it off the rack. So I'm giving it an A for th- for that. Uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm going to agree with you uh, on a curve, just comp- comparing it to an uh, off brand Shazam. Mm-hmm. This is this is not just like a money. You know, let's. Let's get that out there and get some money. This was somebody trying to build something, and yes. it's it's not groundbreaking, but it is fun in the similar way of the stuff that they were copying. They 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 went in their own imagination with it. So I'm I'm giving it an A because I enjoyed every aspect of it. Good. Yeah. The cover is classic. The cover, beautiful cheesecakey cover. It is a cheesecakey cover. It's really. very. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the same thing, and I'm gonna add that it's it's like with with books like these, it's almost like you know when we re- review something from like the 70s, the 80s, or the 90s or something, we can be a lot more picky with what we criticize in terms of art and cover and story, you know. But with this, it's it's so much of its you know it's a product of its time, and unless you're comparing stuff of the time, you know, it's it's kind of hard to hold up against other comics to, that you're used to and say well this is better or worse when it's just it's not a it's a completely different era and and, and the, all the reasons you, both of you gave uh would be reasons that i would give it an a i mean it's just a really fun little story to read and uh and it it, it stands out a little bit more than you know some of the other kind of just crapped out at the time so it, it was the first of the uh well i read i read comic you know like a week ago for the mm-hmm. first time but it was the first one of your two that i read and, I, and reading it i'm like oh this is gonna be a fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so it may not be totally politically correct about you know what it no, says. but it's not the worst politically incorrect for it. it could no. have been a lot worse. No, it could have been a been, lot worse. There yeah. could have been some natives involved or something. You know, who knows? <laughs> right. what yeah, this is that is true. Like. That is yeah. true. Right. We're probably glad yeah. we don't know how they they would have handled natives, but right. Yeah. All right. Should All right. we uh, well, go then. go with me? You're next <laughs> in the, okay. the timeline. All right. I am. We're gonna fast forward to 1978 specifically. Uh, 
August, September 1970, or when, uh, according to Mike's Amazing World, May 16th, 1978, I have Batman Family number 19, which at the time was a dot 80 page giant from DC. Uh, I'm only going to cover one of the four stories in this book uh, because I'm sure if we were to cover, there were no other five stories. I mean, it could be its own episode of the show. Yeah. Uh, but there are the four, there's a Batman story, which is the first story in the book and, and, and ties right into the cover. The other four, just, just, uh, just, and I'm not going to summarize them because I really didn't read them, but there's Rob, there's a Batgirl story called the Sino Superman, Superman, uh, a Robin story called The Crime Rate is Earthshaking, a Man-Bat story titled The Once in the Future Man, and a Huntress story, Goth Burning Down. Uh, the cover does tie into our story, which is called um, which is called The Tomb of Bat, uh, and it shows a man standing on a, looks like just like a hill of, of snow with a white bat biting him very much like a vampire would behind it are kind of in the, in what, what Shag and Rob would call the serpent would, would be the, were, uh, sorry, our uh, Batman, Robin and bat, the uh, floating heads of Huntress and uh, man bat in the Batman fan next to the Batman family logo. The cover is by Michael Coluta. Um, but our, uh, our story is, is not drawn by, by Coluta. It's actually drawn by another Michael. And uh, we open, Age of Batman standing next to to some sort of wreckage, holding his arm while the the hand of a corp of a dead man poked up beyond the beyond the snow. And our, our narration box says, "It is a moment of pure horror, and the Batman waits, paralyzed, not daring to look back. In front of him, the ghastly presence of death. Yet behind him is a greater dread, a hideous thing hovering in the air that he dares not look upon. The mountains are silent, brooding." And their strange secret may cost the Batman his life, but he has no choice. He must venture into the tomb of the White Bat. Credits on this one are Denny O'Neill story, art by Michael Golden and Craig Russell, lettering by Ben Oda, coloring by Adrian Roy, and the editor was Alan Milgram. So our story takes place in the mountains where the ambassador tree, and you can imagine it's like of some sort, mm-hmm. is taking a trip across the along with his Secret Service escort. Uh, and his translator and Bruce Wayne. They come to a bridge that is not on the map. They cross the bridge and then it explodes. So that makes two blown up bridges in one episode of Back to the Bins. 40 stunned seconds later, they smartly get out of their truck because, you know, I stopped the truck and got out after a bridge unexpectedly exploded behind me and the driver is shot. Uh, everyone gets back on except for Bruce, who changes into the Batman, hits the snipers, and takes them down. He comes face to face with a decrepit-looking old lady named Bleach, who says that a hundred years ago, as a child and on a wagon train heading through the that pass, and one night she heard a scream and ran out ran outside to see Jedediah Hawkins. Of course, his name is Jedediah Hawkins, face down in the snow, drained of all blood, with a white bat flying above him. More prisoners die and event. Sorry, more pirates die and eventually, Sarah, a witch woman, says they're cursed because of trespassing on the White Bat's territory. Now they spend their days keeping outsiders away so the White Bat will leave them alone. Batman asks if, if she destroyed the bridge. They say and then says um, she says no and they say uh, and he says that he'll get the outsiders away from there for her. He heads back to the truck just in time to save uh, the ambassador and his aide, Saki, or Sachi, from a grenade. Batman goes to find who threw it, the Secret Service agent, who collapses dead with two puncture wounds in his neck. 
you move across into a hole is actually just a big cave and it was a set up by the killer who's going to kill Batman fire above where this cave is and this will cause the giant icicles in the hole to melt and basically spear him. He comes out of the hole and tries to figure out what's going on. The driver of the who had been shot earlier but was okay is behind this all the bleach and her people were not part of his plan. As Batman makes his way through the forest, he comes across, across two of the Bleach boys who attack him because the White Bat basically made them. Our hero makes quick work of them, and then we cut back to the truck, where the driver has the ambassador hostage. Max Sachi when he cries to help his employer. Batman arrives, and Sachi points to where the driver is taking the ambassador. Batman runs through the snow, runs into the ambassador who is frightened, saying that a great white thing swooped down in the assassin for his aircraft. Just then, Batman hears an engine and turns to see the assassin's helicopter spin out of control and crash. When he comes upon and when he comes upon the assassin, he thinks he's pale, as though he was stricken midair by something that drained his blood. And there is a flap of wings, and the Batman does not move, not turn to look upon what he knows is there, as we see a white bat fly overhead. And that's the uh, the. Um, this is one that um, I somebody gave me like a, a just a whole like zip file folder full of Batman family um, a number of years ago, and I I don't remember why or how, but but I've been slowly making my way through them here. And Batman family is a title that I was in the impression of just reading things through the history of the seventies was a very very popular point, and yet I don't think a Batman family collected, which is kind of curious because there's been a t- a Batman collected. It's already. a crime if yeah. it hasn't. Especially yeah. this. I'd have to look this up and see if this is collected anywhere. I, I really don't think it is, and it doesn't look like. Um, according to my amazing world, it doesn't look like it may. It, it doesn't look like it has. Uh, especially this, which is which is a, a really good. Uh, you know, Michael Golden did a bunch of Batman family stuff, uh, and and then he of course uh, would later on in the eighties do the player on the other side, uh, the Batman from was it 83 or 84 uh but it's one that that i picked because um it's 70s era batman it's michael golden art it's um it's a really i, I enjoy it i really enjoy There's it There's not a single goddamn thing about this comic that i don't love thank yeah. you thank <laughs> you great adventure story i just yeah, I, yeah. Um, yeah, I can gush about it. I'm, I'm flipping through it right now. I'm, and this is the interesting thing as, as I'm looking at, cause I, I've read a lot. I've, I've seen golden art and golden style changes here and there over the year. By the time he's doing the knob, it's slightly more cartoony than it was, was here, but I'm seeing in some of this art panels that years later, I would see like a McFarlane draw. Mm-hmm. And so I could see the influence he has had on a number of other artists. I think I yeah. see Art Adams. I see a little bit of, um, you know, there's a panel on page. Bernie writes into yeah, him. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's just, tarot it, too. yeah. So, uh, it's, it's some great stuff. Um, what do you guys, what do you guys think about it? I, this, I was a kid. This would be one of those I would read for off of. Mm-hmm. I would read this over. Looking at the cover of this comic, I'm almost positive that this was one that Scott Gardner had this comic when we were kids. Because mm-hmm. I, I remember, I, I can almost remember him showing me that cover, going, "You got to see." It's a cool cover. It's a really cool cover. Yeah. And uh, and uh, as as when we were talking before the show, before I started recording, 
I I um I'm I called Craig Russell Craig Nelson. Craig <laughs> Coach. But, but Craig Craig Russell like is you know does does his own art too. He's not just mm-hmm. an inker. I mean, his, and his yeah. art is very distinctive, and you know, fantasy. You know, he did Elric and stuff like that. He's done a lot of stuff with Neil Gaiman too. Hasn't yeah, he? yeah, very very fantasy. You know, Elven stuff like mm-hmm. that. But you couple it with Golden, who really detailed and stuff. Yeah, and all of a sudden it takes on that magical like. I, looking at the scans of this where you can see the four color dot process and stuff mm-hmm. like this it's just beautiful the combination the 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 combination in the ink having a having not a generic inker and my and the the way this comic looks like when i was a kid that would have been like the height of that would have been like what i would be like this is what the best yeah. comic art is if you're going for like realism, but like highly composed realism, and uh, yeah, every panel. On, I mean, I, I I read this one slowly, mm-hmm. looking at every little detail of the panel mm-hmm. because just so even he draws wires and the crashed helicopter and the bro- the way he glass is it's just just gorgeous. The way he draws yeah. Batman is gorgeous. Everything about this is a great great. Great story. It's absolutely yes. gorgeous. There's a great panel of uh, Batman with uh, without the cowl on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got long hair, and it's Bruce Wayne with the long hair. It's a it's a great shot of him. It's Isn't that just, great? Yeah, yeah. Power, and it, and so, I forgot uh, that he didn't always used to be like built like a like a complete tank. You know? Yeah. With, yes. Like, exactly. You know, a muscle neck or anything. This this is like a guy from a you know he's a rich. Rich playboy from a soap opera, you know. Right. He he looks like it. It's it's yeah. And this guy does a really good long-eared Batman. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that can get a little I don't know clowny ridiculous. or something ridiculous. Yeah, but yeah, there is a couple of panels where he's just looking right at you or turning to the side, and it, and you think, yeah, in the right hands, those long ears look really good. Yeah. Uh, and credit to Adrian Roy on the coloring because there, yeah, and you probably know there's some books from the 70s where if you see them in black and white, and I know they did Showcase Edition years ago and, and Marvel Essentials, and you see that art in black and white, and that ends up better because the coloring process in the 70s was not particularly great. The colors in this are very well done. It's like it's bleeding out, nothing like it was rushed or anything like that. So credit to her as well. Yeah, it's it's very subdued and it captures, you know, the, the feeling of being outdoors. And, and a lot of it is white because there's a lot yeah. of snow. But when they do, but sometimes they'll just, they'll take the background and instead of doing it all white, they'll put a like to it or something. And mm-hmm. it works really, yeah, really, really well. It, it, there's sort of you know they they you can that they did the colors to match the process of how the comic printed and stuff and that's why i like that era i and i wish newsprint was still the standard because yeah, yeah you too. can't get the same look as whatever but you're working to get the best out of yeah. of that process and those materials and when you do when you really know what you're doing it's just it just comes together in the most yeah. gorgeous thing. Yeah, that was that was always my complaint about Baxter paper. Yes. In that in those early days of those because uh, I've I've been reading the new I've you know gotten the new Teen Titans 
And unless you have somebody like um, the first couple of issues of the New Teen Titans Baxter series, Perez inked himself. Perez is a heavy inker, and it yeah. worked. That worked really well because it required a heavy inker. Otherwise, the art looks like it's literally sitting on top of the paper. Yes, and it it looks it doesn't look as good. And I have the reprint. I have some of the reprint issues that they did of that series because at the time they were running two series concurrently. And I'd see like Eduardo Barreto's art in the Baxter series, a weird feeling of it's like it's sitting on top of it. But then I'd look at the print and it really would look better because of they just hadn't perfected the coloring process for for that paper or whatever. But it just it looked um, looked richer in a way on the there's layers of texture, the paper, there's the texture of the 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 four color dot printing process that Mm -hmm. adds to it, you know. Where the actual, you know, the actual colors, dots, it's not just a solid color. Sometimes it looks solid, but it has that grain and texture to it. Yeah, and yeah. it's like watching, it's like watching on film, you know, that and it's washed out and stuff. That was, but they knew it was going to do that. So they lit it to be like that and you end up get, getting something that's not realism, but it's, it is what it is. And Batman stories, like in this this is, I mean, maybe it's my, because my age when I was reading them, but I just wonder why I would love to see a Batman movie like this. Yeah. Where it doesn't mm-hmm. have to make perfect sense. It doesn't have, mm-hmm. this is, a, this is kind of a mixture. I, this is why this would have appealed to me as a kid. Cause I was, I was into superheroes a little bit, but like I would have bore into a horror comic. Mm-hmm. But this has, this has elements of a horror comic and then it seems like he's a, he's a detective. It seems like ah oh, okay, they're gonna explain this away with the guy's taser. Yeah, you know, is uh, okay. It's a double bladed taser, so it looks like they got by a bat. So it'll you know Batman will be like, we'll get to the bottom of this bat story. But then no, the natural element sits. You know. Yeah, they, they don't Scooby do this. No, they don't and... Scooby do this. And and it's great because it's and and the other thing is is that the, the supernatural element is just enough to make the story still be believable. Yes. you know there there's it, it doesn't go completely down that 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 rabbit hole to something that's like you know children of the corn cult or no, something no. something much deeper than that. No, it's it's, just... it's beautiful. It leaves it at it leaves it with Batman silently acknowledging the supernatural element without even mm-hmm. seeing it. With Batman is is and is fine with it. Batman's not freaking out like, oh my God, there's really an immortal white bat that kills things here. He just goes you know, he's probably thinking to himself, the bat, we are kid spirits. <laughs> <laughs> now I must get these people from its territory, and all will be laughter. Yeah, this. yeah. Get my shoulder back in place. <laughs> exactly. And that's such a great last page too, with that giant white bat yeah. and all. It's oh just yeah, it's splitting gorgeous. up the two images. It's just really yeah. good. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I would. I just like with the last one. It's it's an A all around for me. It was. To can me, we go A plus? I'd go. I go yeah, A+. I can go A plus. I mean, I know that my, my reading of Bat, my Batman uh, period is the '90s. Uh, that's when I started collecting comics. But I've always had a fondness for this era of the Batman because, uh, for a couple of reasons, because my favorite older story for years has been the Steve Engel, Hart Marshall, Rogers Batman mm. series, which I just absolutely love. 
And uh, it was a lot of that as well. Plus, my favorite team of all time on Batman was Chuck Dixon and Nolan, which really, I thought, continued on the tradition of Batman being a little more earthbound detective adventure right. type of thing as opposed to some of the more like Doug Mensch would write a lot of supernatural stuff and mm-hmm. or and Kelly I was never a big fan of like Kelly Jones and stuff but uh but yeah that's what it is it's just and all I mean the, the art's gorgeous everything like you're right it just it it and and it's a shame I, I like I said I don't think this has been reprinted anywhere it's a shame. it's never the been stuff reprinted. that they fit in 20 pages it's yeah. amazing yeah, without it's amazing. cramming it full of words you yeah. know yeah it's amazing it's got flashbacks, you know, into yeah. the past with the bat. It's got like, the ambassador, and the ambassador even has, like, you know, you get a little bit of the relationship and his wimpy, wimpy assistant. Uh, just the guy, yeah, yeah um, it, it, and, and it manages to put all that in there without, like, filling it full of word yeah. balloons. And, and, it going do, for- and it doesn't have to be a slave to continuity Mm-mm. either. It's a self-contained story. Um it's one of the it's one of the times and hey we didn't hear about how the batman's parents got killed this <laughs> issue you know it's just it, it's not it doesn't right. have to be a slave to its own backstory and continuity and all the other things that are going around and everything it just can be a story of you know i mean honestly i don't even care why bruce is on that bus it's you just know, like oh he's a millionaire he gets to go on the yeah you know? do what he wants to do right i would love to i would love to see like if so- like if anybody had the balls to to do a a Batman movie that like four different takes on Batman for four short stories like this. Ooh, it's an anthology Batman movie. You have a more yeah. you have a more modern Batman, gritty, realistic. You have this you know this era Batman with long ears and you know yeah and and but just with the eight short written stories to yeah. be like fantastic. There was an episode of the '80s that did something similar, and stories uh, I can't remember if it was two or three, but I remember two distinctly. One of them was them essentially animating like Dark Knight era Miller Batman, and the other one was a Batman Joker very short thing within this half hour episode. So it might have been two. And the Batman Joker story was drawn to look like a classic Dick Sprang mm. a comic. It's a great episode. It's from the first couple of years, the, the Batman animated series from like 92, 93, 94. So, um, but yeah, th- that would be a great um, either or or live action. This would be a, a great idea. You, you know, do this a combination sort of, of them. This, yeah, would like be a be- this could be a beautiful animated, yeah. you know, old school you know, L animation story. This could be just gorgeous. Yeah. Something else I liked about this time period was that Batman logo. I really like the Batman mm-hmm. logo with him looking to the side and the cowl, I mean, and his cape coming up to cover part of his face. Yeah. That's just a really nice, uh, I think actually Batman has had some nice logos throughout his career. Actually. It's, Yes. It's a great character. It's easy. Batman is a great character for one of those yeah. reasons because you can go all the way from having a Batman 66 Adam West and enjoying it to something grittier to a street level Chuck Dixon kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Uh, and he works, you know, it, it yeah. works as long as within the one story, you don't try to cram every, you know, 78 years of everything into one story it's like you say you don't need to show the pearls every damn issue yeah every time batman story starts we don't need to know his parents were killed yeah 
But I love this book. I think I, I'm with you guys. I think I'm a solid A, a plus on this all the way around. Uh, love the artwork on the cover. Uh, you know, everything about it, actually. The splash I'm, page. I'm, it's making me want when I go to my comics to buy my, like, issue of Walking Dead and, like, a couple Star Wars mm -hmm. to, like, go into the back bin and pawn through the, you know, the Batman families mm -hmm. and, and finding well, more, just... more stuff like this. Because I forgot that I love how much... I love stuff like this. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I this just is... checked my database. Well, not just while you were doing your synopsis. I checked my database, and I have the first 25 of these Batman family. So Excellent. I do have this one. I do have it over there in the comic boxes, right over there. It's yeah, over there. This is, this is one I, I would crack down just so that I could get a copy, even if it's not in the best condition, that yeah. I could get it signed. Yeah, I'm sure that mine is not in great shape because of the way they did these family issues. They did the same thing with Superman family and Batman family at this time. The way time. they bound them? Yeah, it wasn't a square bound. It's kind of that. So, you know, you read it once and it's already going to roll. I don't care. Yeah. There's no easy way. There was no way other than not reading it at all to keep these family type issues because they went to like 50 some pages, but didn't do the square bound, just the regular so mm -hmm. it they almost everyone from the time period has a roll. It starts to roll on that. Gotcha. Um, but that's all right. I got it. I it's don't over care. there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it's it, over the, there. kind of beat up at arm to it, you know, it makes uh -huh. it feel like it's one of mine. <laughs> well, that's what I love about it. When I go through some of the older ones and I look through the boxes, you just know the ones that jump out that you go, oh my God, I read this thing a thousand times. Yep. You know, yep. and uh, you can just tell, you just even know where you spent time on that page. You were with it. You were, yeah. if it's worn, you were with it the whole time wearing it. So absolutely, you know, wearing absolutely. it out. But uh, good choice, Tom. Good choice. Yes. Hey, thank you. That was. It, I had a lot of fun uh, reading it and then looking at it. This was actually my peak of comic reading for in 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 a while. Ooh. All right. Should we move on to destroy things? Well, before <laughs> before we destroy things, we are bringing. We have a canned segment coming in. Usually back in the old days of Comic Monday, um, the the listeners and Scott Gardner and Michael Bailey and whoever else happened to be around would uh, would knew that I had a taste ground comics more than the superhero comics, and they they devised this little segment called "Get Chris to Read a Goddamn Superhero Comic." <laughs> but since this is like assistant editors month or whatever, I'd rather come on to a regular back to the bins and do get Curry to a uh, uh, goddamn mix. So instead, we have come up with the, the exact opposite, which is called Get Paul to read a goddamn underground comic, comic, comic. Yes, Paul, Paul Spataro has crafted a, a uh, I, I, I handpicked and sent him an underground comic residence to Back to the Bins because I did show up on Back to the Bins once with an issue of this comic. Uh, we are talking from Big Ass Comics. Mm. He's doing Big Ass Comics number one. I came in with Big Ass 2 because it had ass in number two. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm... Uh, hey, you know... <laughs> I did not read the comic. Full disclosure, I did not read this comic. I've read this comic many times over the years. 
I can't. I couldn't tell you what's in it. Do know that there's big asses in it, probably <laughs> on women that sometimes have bird heads on them, and yes. their butt yes. cheeks and yeah. all sorts of fun stuff for for Paul. To, so let's. <laughs> Fat bottom girls, you make the rockin' world go round. So it's time for uh, get Paul to read a goddamn. Underground comic. Uh, this month, Chris has picked out for me Big Ass Comics number one, which is dated June of 1969. Uh, I would say Chris is kind of obsessed with this Big Ass Comics because way back in episode 106, we covered Big Ass Comics number two. Uh, and that's a complete Big Ass Comics series for you completists and collectors out there. Anyway, this story is titled Eggs Ackley Among the Vulture Demonses. So obviously it's a real highbrow thing. Now I don't know this Eggs Ackley dude, but whoever he is, I don't know if he's a continuing character or if he's just created for this. But he's riding a little car and he's heading towards the city when his car runs out of gas. He starts to walk towards the city because he thinks it's not that far away, but it turns out it's a lot further than he thought. Than he thought, excuse me. Uh, the sun is hot and he ends up passing out for, I guess, sun exposure. So as he lays there on the ground, he's picked up in the beak of this vulture creature with big boobs and a large caboose. He wakes up and uh, chokes the, the beast out. And then because he's going to crash, he spins its head to make it into a propeller and rides on its back and takes it in for a landing. Yeah, this is really happening here. Uh, keep in mind, this is the more mainstream portion of the book. This is not really the far out stuff yet. So at this point, exactly is surrounded by these vulture women who drop him into a chute where he's confronted by what appears to be the vultures dominatrix leader. It's like another one of these things, only bigger and dressed in, you know, some sort of weird crap. So she toys with him and he ends up doing a mow on him and poking her in the eyes. He grabs her tongue, ducks underneath between her two legs, flips her over into unconsciousness. Yeah, that's what happens. And so, as he's getting ready to leave, he decides to take a peek between her legs, like any normal person would do, or any deviant would do, I guess. And he sees enough to determine that she's a virgin. I'm guessing he looked pretty damn close. Uh, and he decides that he's going to rectify this situation. That's right. He decides that he's going to rape this unconscious bird thing, which he does with significant difficulty because apparently she's got a uh, very difficult to penetrate area. Uh, having performed this reprehensible act, he then makes his way to an exit only to find a gauntlet of bird demoness guards. So Eggs runs, falling from a window, and in a weird series of events, the birds are trying to get him, and they all fall, and they kind of go inside each other's beaks or each other's nether regions, and we get a big stack of bird things kind of hanging in a column stuff. I don't know. It's Trust me, it's just weird stuff. At this point, Eggs is grabbed by a recovered vulture thing demoness who exposed Express, excuse me. She exposes herself and points down to the area, basically requesting that eggs take her again. 
And uh, that's really it. This is some pretty sick stuff, if you ask me. Uh, there's also a couple of other stories in here that are shorter. There's Dale Steinberger, the Jewish cowgirl. Big Baby, the Infant Terrible. All Meat Comics. Mrs. Quiver and Artsy Fartsy. Um, there's a reason I read mainstream comics and not underground stuff. Uh, I, you know, I'm not sure where to go with this thing. Uh, I, you know, for my own, I understand Robert Crumb was a genius to many people. And I guess he may have been. He's just, his tastes and styles were not to my liking. So, as far as my own personal tastes go, this story gets an F all around. F for the cover, F for the story, F for the artwork. Uh, I think if I try and, I, you know, I was going to say I'll try and take myself out of the equation and see what I would think of it if I were a fan of this or if I were, I guess, maybe more open-minded towards it. But... I can't. <laughs> it's just not my cup of tea. Maybe if Chris was here to actually debate it with me, I'd have a better feel for it and maybe he'd point out some things to me that he thinks are either clever or creative or well done. Uh, but uh, that's it. That's my report. That's Paul read a goddamn underground comic. Hope you enjoyed it. And, and there it was. Uh. And I feel happy that I did that to Paul Spataro that I, 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 I really hope that, like, you know, his girlfriend was over and, like, <laughs> what are you doing, baby? Just put oh, it up research, on the big screen. Research for a podcast. Oh, <laughs> really? What? Oh, really? You're doing research for a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's put it the, up on the big the screen. That, that's a quandary that Dario and I get into with our uh, Eat It and Beat It podcast, Booted <laughs> Porn podcast, is doing research. <laughs> I was, I was, Actually crafting the opening intro music to it, which is a combination of porno music, Julia Child, and women moaning. <laughs> oh, and so I was on, of not even on a porn site, I was on YouTube, like looking up women moaning sound effects and previewing them and trying to select the best, most evocative ones that were going to work in the context of I was going to use them. And about 10 minutes in, I realized what that must sound like <laughs> to my housemate, like walking by the door and that, and, and that there would be no way that I would be able to go, no, no, see, hmm. it's for a podcast. <laughs> well, actually why we she would that. probably know there wouldn't be any real moaning women in there. <laughs> right. Correct. <laughs> Let's not dwell on my depressing life, which you guys know is not as depressing because I told you guys a story before the show That's that true, I can't you did. tell. Up. I'm still jealous of that too. You should be. Well, I'm jealous of myself. Okay. I can tell, I'm but still... I'm old. I've had my time in the saddle, so to speak. Yeah, I, I, I think my like you know how you have your time in the saddle in the 20s. I think mine is spread out through my whole life. Right. Not, not condensed. I'm not saying it's going to be in my 20s my whole life. I would love to, and I would be a liar if I did. But yeah. I think it's going to be that condensed period of your 20s stretched out through my whole life. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I'm, See, nothing anyway, wrong with that. Yeah, I, 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 I can say no more. Right. So I will I will instead pivot. <laughs> I am also I am also biting a tongue, zipping a lip and pivoting to my comic which is a gift from Mark Kambach as I said earlier from a from a garage sale finder or I I don't know if he got a garage sale or a book book sale or 
or where he got it, but I'm glad he got it and sent it to me. I remember this happening when it happened. This was on the, this was, I was in college when this happened. So I probably did not remember this happening. I think I remember this supposed was supposed to happen and it took like four years to make. They make a few jokes in here about how the continuity has changed so much with Marvel since the beginning of the, the action. But I have picked Fred Hembeck destroys the Marvel universe. Number one of, one and it's the special all death issue which is pretty much all it is now instead of sort of going through this comic and orally talking about it because it is dense it's just dense gag actually prepared it is not i wouldn't say it chris to read a goddamn superhero comic but i have prepared a pre-written stint on this comic in order to try to summarize it with some sort of semblance of brevity. I was wondering how you were going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I committed to it and then I started thinking about it. Right. And I was like, I was... how am I, how do you synopsize this in under like yeah. the time it takes yeah. to read it? Right. It's like covering an old issue of age or something. You're like, how am I? <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. It's, it's a little bit all over the place. So, okay, this is Fred Hemingway's Marvel Universe, number one, $1.50 when it came out. Um, words and pictures by uh, uh, Fred Hembeck, inks by Vince Coletta. And yeah, and I think the inks, if I recall right, are mostly, yeah, pages 3 through 29 are Vince Coletta, just the odd page by Joe Staten. Can't really tell much of the difference because Vince Coletta inking goes... This is where it's going to do the least amount of harm in a, in, a, in Fred Hembeck's style, I think. But, um, all right. <clears throat> a downtrodden, beer-sodden Fred Hem Punisher. How he murdered the Marvel Universe in a sort of a meta-framing element. Um, he has been tasked to draw a comic book and has drawn a comic book where a clown-like death uses ironic and slapstick means to every single hero and every single Marvel villain with a few of them getting off scot-free because they're retired or too drunk and or whatever and you know I mean we have Ant-Man gets microwaved by an old lady Asgard's ruined by bad punk rock uh the the lady Captain Marvel sucked TV like a Twilight Zone episode uh Daredevil dies in an, in an old Mexican and I cannot remember the comedian and this is more my grandparents time comedian but it, it's a riff on he was like the first Mexican in space or whatever he was his name Cy something so all jokes of Cy, um which I'm sure a lot of people got. Uh, <laughs> comedian might have been Jose Jimenez. Jose Jimenez. Jose Jimenez. Yes. Yes. Using Jose. Definitely he, using Jose Jimenez and Mets jokes. Yes, he did several <laughs> routines. One was about baseball. Baseball been very good very, to me. Very good to me. Yeah. Very good to me. Baseball been very good to me. And he was also uh, did a space astronaut routine about yep. being the first Mexican in space. And uh, yeah, he did a lot of that, playing on that basic routine there. Mexican in dot dot dot. Been very and, good space. Been very good to me. <laughs> um, yeah, J. Jonah Jameson's in his having his heyday. He's getting headline after headline, and uh, meanwhile we got going on outside the pearly gates where all the heroes are gathered trying to figure out what the hell happened 
And then they watch Spider-Man have a paranoid freakout. Meanwhile, we get more gag deaths. Uh, Doctor Doom is Reed's dad. Then everybody's dead by a rock. Meanwhile, back outside the gates, we find out God just got basically pissed with some of the more violent heroes. So he just decided to shut down everybody, which doesn't really explain the supervillains, but whatever. And then there's another Mets joke and gag deaths. And then we're back to our framing element, which sort of resolves with the ghost of uh, a non-Rice Uncle Ben and even with an Uncle Ben's Rice joke in there, uh, sort of straightening things out. And then we find out the Punisher is Stanley. Ah, and that's pretty much Fred Hembeck. I have a, and then there's an ad on the back for the sequel, uh, The Universe Destroys Fred Hembeck. <laughs> as his corpse comes out of the ground. I, I I was going to research on this, but then I decided since I blew my actually know it would be more interesting in the as far as the show goes, to just ask you guys, what the hell does Fred Hembeck like draw a comic once every like ten years? How does a guy make a living? What is how did how did he happen? I I remember as a kid like you would see like maybe a little gag in like the editorial, you know, like in the soapbox section or something. Mm-hmm. I think he would do. And yeah, then every it, once in a while he would do like, he did some gags in this one what if comic. Yeah. And I had an underground where he did a story of himself as a kid when the Mets won the world series. And, uh, but they were all, they seemed like they had years between them and they were all little short things. And it's like, this guy can't be making that much money on these comics. What what is his job? Is he like a, does he like work at a bank or something? And he's a super fan who who draws well and or you know draw. It's I what do, do any of you guys know what his deal is? I don't know. I know he had a regular running feature in Marvel Age during the eighties. Okay, but um. Yeah, I don't. No idea. That's not like enough to make a living off of. I, yeah. I'm trying to figure out. You know, it's like, was he? I don't. Uh, you would have seen his name if he was like a writer for Marvel or something, or you would have seen him credited if he was in something. Was he the copy boy? They're your little cartoons. I, you know, I've wondered a few people in the industry who are known don't have a really really prolific body of work i yeah arthur adams a little earlier when i was talking about art he's one of the another one who, who's rarely if ever and golden's kind of one of them who never really has a at least lately a consistent it seems output, to take, like on the level they do like it a, seems to take a long time to do it yeah yeah like michael golden i could see him being a big artist mm-hmm. and doing Curtains and yeah. or advertising work that we don't like notice it's Michael Golden, well, you know, it, and getting that's where he gets his money and then does the comics for fun. Fred well, Hemmick, yeah, I don't yeah, see him like getting like ad campaigns and stuff for people, you know, he's just yeah. sort of got his a sort of it's almost reminds me of uh the guy Peter Bag who drew hate comics, mm-hmm. although he was before Peter Bag, but he does the same cartoony yeah things of the way he draws hair and, and it, elbows it, and knees and stuff. There's also a little bit of Mad Magazine in there. Um, is it Al Jaffe who does the very cartoonish? Mm-hmm. Or think yeah, Al Jaffe because more Drucker see, was the uh, was see. The, I could see him like I could see him as being like a mad cartoonist who gets to do it, a Marvel yeah, exactly. every once in a while, but I never saw him in Mad. You yeah, know, no, no, like, I know, I know. And um, yeah, it's just I, I wonder like what day jobs 
somebody like him or some of these other guys do have because they don't have the output of a of a Perez or an Ordway or somebody who you know or Dan Jurgens for instance who's still doing them on books and stuff like that. Um, Nick Carty was one who was in advertising for years and years and did comics as well. Mm-hmm. So you know it's or you know but. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. You're right. I don't know who could possibly what he could possibly also do. Because the style never, doesn't lend itself that well to to illustration or advertising of the time. So yeah, no, it, it, it's. It, I mean, he's got a good sense of graphic design and panel layout, and yeah, but you know, it's, his, it's his, all his, comic though. It is comic. It's stuff. It, it's 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 very it's very cartoony and it's. It's it's limited. It's limited, and he works in his limitations. But I, I I get a feeling like this is this is him firing on all cylinders. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is Fred. This is what he does. You know, he does. This isn't him being like he does. I I don't. But I could be completely wrong. Like making beautiful photorealistic paintings, and yeah. then just like when I comics, this is the this I've tried a simple and you know minimal style. For it, you know, to to or you know whatever reason that is, I have a feeling this is just how Fred Hembeck draws. You know, mm-hmm. it's got that feel to it and everything that I've ever seen him. Mm-hmm. But you never see him like signing books at a convention no. or speaking or anything. So it's weird. I don't even know if the guy's still alive, for that matter. Anyway, about the actual content of the yeah. comic. Does the I was going to ask? Do you think this guy actually likes Marvel? It's. It's hard to say. Yeah, he's I, killing off everybody. He, he is killing off with with relish. With but at relish, the same time, yeah. at the time the when this was coming out, you know, he might have been, you know, impugning, you know, killing off people mm. by like going like, all right, now I'll do my. I he reminds me in a lot of ways of Weird Al Yankovic, mm-hmm. where he he is pretty subversive and a little dark. But he keeps it like family friendly, yeah, and and kind kind of light and uh, not strictly good natured, no. but it's 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 light and goofy, you know, mm-hmm. and it's got it's got that feel of it of like he's not gonna get too edgy, you know, he doesn't will never want to get very edgy. You're never gonna see a booby or something right. swearing or yeah, well, or sex edgy. Like he's going pretty much deaf edgy here. The in yeah. fact that the color. Yeah. The one big color, like a cover, uh, something interview here, cover in the PDF. It shows all the Marvel guys being hung. They're all hanging with their tongues out. <laughs> I mean, you see that, right? That panel. Yeah, and that's why yeah, I think I he it. framed it. I think that's why he framed it with the Punisher, you know, to just yeah. sort of, you know, this is where we're, we're going with it, and this is edgy, and, and this is the Fred Hembeck take on it. It didn't completely work for me. I don't think this this one's in the lowest rating of all three of our comics. Mine is going to lowest rating because like art art wise, okay, fine, fine. Story wise, he I think there's actually too much effort to make a story in here. Mm-hmm. You know, to to even though it get it's just sort of ends up being all goofiness anyway. You know, we have to get. Oh, okay, we're back up in heaven, and they're and I'm like, are they really gonna come up with some <laughs> sort of like explanation and then some way out of it? Which could be that sort of gets dropped, and it's just a gag, and then it's all just a comic book. The Punisher's reading, but death, you know, 
And I don't know if he was trying to make fun of some of the convolutedness of comics at this time period. It's actually, this is still before I I personally think comics sort of went off the rails mm-hmm. into, you know, real ridiculousness. What year was this? And when was this? It, it came out in 89. Okay. And it also seems like from the way he's described it that it's been many years in the making, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, was, the, it might have been written and started drawn in like 1987 or 1986 yeah. or something. It was, from what I gather, um, it was started while Jim Shooter was still at Marvel. Uh, and then, because in 89, Shooter was, Shooter was gone by the end of 86, or he, or at least by the mid, by mid 87, Shooter was, mm-hmm. was gone. Um, so yeah, I think this was, this was, this was a few years that it had been on the, uh, it basically had been in uh, development hell or whatever for, for a couple of years. Yeah. At first and I thought got, this was, at first I thought this was just going to be like, um, Oh, it's just going to be a series of like little jokes about how I'm killing off all yeah. the guys. But then they tried to actually make a story out of it. And that's where I think they actually failed. I don't think it holds yeah, together too. as a story. Yeah. But as a bunch of little, you know, just jokes of, gee, it'd be funny to kill Those, the Hulk like that's this. That's what works best. That's yeah. what works best is all the ironic deaths are just, yes. you know, and then the way, you know, and, and he doesn't go full, you know, he doesn't. It, 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 it's actually a disturbing thing for in a comedy comic it, is he'll eye off screen, but it's a horrible death. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's handled, like Ant-Man. The little old lady's like, oh, I got to take him in and dry him off. I'll put him in the microwave. <laughs> the microwave. And then you just get the pop. The sound of, from outside the house, you hear the pop. And like all the X-Men are just like killed behind closed doors. Right. But it's like mm-hmm. by ninjas, but it, they're all killed by yeah. a snick. And so you don't see it, but it's like, oh, I just, just that was just a scene of all the X Men being, you mm. know, sum, summarily slaughtered. Right, and that's very clever I, I thought... in comics to do that when they're able to do that, but mm-hmm. with a with the proper sound effect or the proper little panel word, they can tell you volumes of let your imagination figure out what just happened behind the scene. And yeah. uh, I think they did that fairly well. But again, that to me was the highlight of this particular book was the, I guess you could say, ironic deaths of all the guys. When it came to that, I yeah, liked it better it's a than kid, whatever It's a happened. kid smashing up all his action figures, basically. Yeah. Like, get go. all the action figures yes. out. And, let's, and sometimes it's like, let's make up a story. And other times it's like, eh, I'm getting bored of this. And then a rock right. falls on him. Yeah, <laughs> right. Would yeah. this have worked better had it been formatted or it told in a way like it as if it were like an issue of mad or cracked where it was i think so several separate things maybe even by different artists or something with hembeck at the helm do, however many pages he had mm-hmm. do either of you guys remember obnoxio the clownsman no it was another one shot d that's basically what Obnoxio the Clown versus X-Men was. <clears throat> it had like three or four, it was like three or four stories with Obnoxio the Clown involving X-Men. But it went off, you know, it was it was like Mad Magazine. It went off the rails. It had no real continuity. And it was just, it was taken lightly, which is sort of like this. It was actually very, very funny. This is, this, this is funny too when it's funny. Right, but when it when it tries to, 
when it tries to the, the whole thing in have outside the pearly gates just the only thing that's worked in a sort of like oh that's that's kind of amusing and and makes sense is peter parker's whole freak out like has this paranoid freak out where he's like, J. Jonah Jameson's behind all of this. <laughs> that he's the one killing everybody, you know? Right. And and it's great because like it's like, okay, when Peter Parker breaks down, he basically just was a fight of J. Jonah Jameson and like, <laughs> you know, becomes you know, just focuses on you know, the just their whole like th- thing focusing on each other. And that was sort of amusing, but I don't think it was carried out in the best way. It was just like, oh, that's a neat concept. Right. But it it didn't sort of sort of it yeah, it just just fell short. That's why I asked whether you thought this guy was mad at Marvel or liked Marvel or didn't or whatever was this because there were times when it felt like he was doing it you know, with almost a sense of love. He was making fun of something he really loved, and other times it just seemed like he was just. It might have depended on the character. <laughs> yeah, where he I mean, didn't like the character his, his or tomb, something. His tomb uh, on the says Fred George Hembeck, nineteen fifty three, nineteen eighty nine. He read too many comic books. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I mean, as people who read too many comic books, you might know the love hate relationship that oh, can develop on, on something. So he might have had, you know, there might, you know, that I mean, if you. If you got a chance to draw, write and draw something like this, you know, might you not mm. be tempted to take out your frustrations on <laughs> on a few of your least favorite characters? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And there would definitely, there would definitely be favoritism, and even even if you liked all the characters, there would definitely be favorites and least favorites, and ones you would want to make fun of, and ones you would want to hang. <laughs> yes, yes. And draw and quarter. There's ones you'd want to poke fun at, and then there's ones you want to humiliate and blot out yes, of existence. Exactly, exactly. Uh, well, I like it better than uh, 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 whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like, the, I like that one. Better the story than the kicking the balls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like it better than the killing joke. <laughs> yes, okay, there. Yeah, because I had to ask the same question. I actually, too. I actually own that. I own that. I, 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 I got a copy of it when it came out. I read it once, and I was like, I don't know why I even kept it. With the killing <laughs> joke. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's it's uh, one I was like, oh, I'm probably not gonna read this again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even though, as even as a fan of and Alan Moore at the time, I was just like, oh wow. <laughs> Somebody's angry. Yeah. Someone's hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Someone needs a snack. <laughs> Somebody needs a snack. That's what I felt about whatever happened. It was like, what do you just say? All right, bring this guy on, hire him, say, here are all Superman's family of characters. Now just go kill them all. Just kill them. Just get rid of them. But Superman, when do, it doesn't matter. Just get rid of them. Well, Jimmy, it doesn't matter. Kill him. Kill him. Gone. Ah, I did not like that story at all. <laughs> Love the artwork. Great Kurt Swan artwork. Some of his mm-hmm. best work. Really emotional. Great artwork. But God, I hated that story. And we're not here to talk about Superman, Bob. No, okay. No, no. But it all comes back to Superman. <laughs> I can't help it. Thank you, Michael Bailey. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> but, yeah, Anybody interesting. Anybody can say anything they want about Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, and I right now because we're so happy we were in a comic book. We don't care what anybody yeah, I says. <laughs> I, know. I know I'm speaking for them, but I'm pretty confident in that right now. I know. Yeah. 
I guess. Yeah, I'd be pretty happy, too, if I was in a real comic book. I'd be like, really? I'm an asshole? I'm an asshole in the comic book. (laughs) 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 And then go to sleep like a little baby. Yeah, works for me. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks. And we'll see you next week. Man. Oh, and I read the. We just did. We we just pull off an episode of Back to the Bins. I think we did. I think we actually pulled it off. It is. (laughs) Did we? Did we grade this thing? Oh, we didn't grade it. We We got to grade this. Oh, we have to grade it. Okay. Yeah, you have to go first, Chris, because it's yours. (laughs) I mean, writing and and art cover cover and art. I'll give it an A, just because. it's it's fred hembeck it's not good you know there's no good it's fred hembeck so hey he did he did what he does i'm gonna i gotta give the story a c probably bringing the whole thing into a midland b i didn't i wasn't reading this going yeah i hate this but i was i was a little i i i have to say i was a little disappointed in it i thought it was going much more fun than it was Mm -hmm. so b minus I think I had it right around right around a B B minus like overall and and because I I the cover were were fine it was exactly what I thought would be from Fred Hembeck but the yeah. story was you're right out of this comic before it was one of those where I'd like flip through um the Overstreet Guide or like the Mile High Comics catalog back in the day and like, what is this Fred Hembeck destroys the Marvel you know because like, it's just an odd title and. You know, never had read it and then read it for and just it was like but it, it had more potential than it actually that it actually used. So yeah, so yes. I, I think I'd pretty much fall like right in line with what you did there and give the old comic an overall like B B minus. Yeah, I think I'm gonna come in a little bit lower, maybe a C plus. Uh, <clears throat> I liked I liked the artwork. I think the artwork was fun. I enjoyed the artwork. I loved bits of it. There were bits of it. A couple times I laughed right out loud. But overall, when then you start, you keep reading and you think, oh, my God, that was stupid. They're just I think it went off the track. You you seem to Mm -hmm. be picking up on a little hostility in it. Yeah. 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 So and that's what I was, you know, I thought, "Mm, I don't know. I can't really tell. Is the guy just having fun with Marvel or is he really pissed at these people? And uh, so maybe I was bringing something to it, but I think I'm going to give it a C plus um, overall. I guess. Wait a minute. Not too no. far from a B minus. Yeah, and, and it might go up to the B minus because I do like the artwork. I think the artwork is really fun, and some of the facial expressions and some of the 
uh, just some of the panels just make you laugh right out loud. There's just some good vision. Yeah. And sometimes it's just funny seeing who's like when they're in heaven, who's just sort of tooling behind them. Exactly. Uh, You know, you've got a few of characters just tooling by in the background just for the sake of doing it. So that that was kind of a thing. Right. Kind of like the way I feel about John Byrne. I like his artwork, but I think his stories fall down a little bit here and there. But but I, I, you know, overall, uh, this is not a terrible comic and it was a fun read. Yeah. So uh, I think with the A in the artwork and the C-ish for the story, that kind of does bring it back up to the B, B minus. So I'll, I'll go with you guys cool. too on that. So we were pretty unanimous on on yeah. every issue. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Wow. Now, how did, the, did, did Paul pick us all out and put us together? How did that work? Yeah, I think Paul did. Yeah, I think Paul, he did. Yeah. Well, that, Paul, that, good that job, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. And uh, unless unless his goal was to get us to uh, unless he was going to put us to fight or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I could say something there too. <laughs> Honeywell brought his porn comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Bob Fisher uh, had a Superman and was ready to rumble. Right, and Tom Panarese brought Robin or a Vietnam comic. Yeah, exactly. We just bring stuff that we normally do on our own shows. Yeah, exactly. Bring brought brought a Vietnam here. comic and and wrote a whole synopsis all based on modern politics. <laughs> right, but but yes, we actually did. Yes, a back to the bins. We made it through. Back. Thanks for to the thanks bins. for technically letting us. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's assistant editor, so there's that you know there's that boss's boss, and it's a fire sale element yeah. to it. <laughs> I don't think we trashed the place too bad. We might have to clean up a little bit, but I'm I don't not think cleaning that, anything. I don't think, I'm not cleaning anything. Like, that stain was like here when I got are, here. How many my feet aren't sticking to the floor up. or anything, so I think we did okay. Yeah, I don't know. They said Gardner usually sits in this chair, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Gardner sits I would put a garbage bag over it first. <laughs> right. It smelled like this when we got here. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We took pictures of everything when we first got here to make right. sure that you know that you knew that that you know there there's the hole that Doctor Bill punched in the wall. We're not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to sneak into two true freaks anyway with the secret key under the mat in the back. I have to come in the back door anyway. That's why it was kind of nice yeah, here. Now it's not a, that secret of a key anymore. Well, I know. But today I got to come in the front door. When you come in with one of the half of the two true freaks. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Those rare chances I get to walk in the front door. Nah, 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 nah. Well, it's one of those things where I got, I got the keys. I'm never on this show. I'm like, yeah, I'll let you guys in. <laughs> right. I, I don't know which room we got to go to, but we'll figure it out. Figure it out when we get there. But I didn't put that stain. That stain did not come from me. <laughs> if if you're going to insist, we're going to take this to court and there's going to be DNA tests. Well, well. I just oh, God. No, D, no I, DNA I, tests around here. No. I, Nobody wants. No. no some no, questions. I, that's left unanswered. But. <laughs> But it, it would it would be nice for the guys who are using the for us to flush, please. 
Do we have to? Wait a minute. If it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, (laughs) flush it down. I didn't leave any browns in there. I'm not in the interest of making any broth tonight. What does in what does what what do you do with indeterminate texture and color? (laughs) You might want to see your physician pretty quickly. Right. That's where you get the DNA test. I'm just saying. Right. Right. I, I just I just I, I just I wasn't even gonna go I wasn't even gonna let pee stream touch it because something that I just peed in this old Diet Mountain Dew bottle I found in the corner, <laughs> which I'm now leaving under which I'm now leaving underneath the sofa. <laughs> it's a Diet it's, Mountain Dew though, for God's sake. It is Diet Mountain Dew, and the fluid inside is yellow. So, so hey, I left my time bomb. It's 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 scanning. <laughs> It sounds awful. It sounds awful, but I'm just setting up the ultimate episode it's, story time with Dr. Bill. There it is. <laughs> Dr. Bill gets his stomach pumped. And that's what we go out on, right?